Blog Talk Radio. I was like, you know what? If I don't leave the relationship soon, 
it, it, one of us is going to end up in a real bad way, probably me, probably both of us to one degree or another, just differently. We, we, were, we were both not going to be in a good place. And and I said, okay, you know, it, it gets to when it gets to that point, it's time to go. And I I can't think of a better metaphor for how I feel about Blog Talk Radio. After twelve almost twelve years of being in a relationship with this system, I have reached my breaking point. I have finally found the courage to say, this isn't getting any better. You won't change. I can't change you. I need to go where I'm going to be happy, and I need to let you be. I mean, tonight, the last couple of shows, we've had issues where the direct connect suddenly failed because their entire server went down. Tonight, I can't even dial in on the on, on a terrestrial phone using the guest number. That's right. I can do that. I'm on my cell phone. What I can't do is dial in through Skype. What was happening was... I couldn't hear the podcast. I, I, you could hear me, but I couldn't hear the soundboard. I couldn't hear Robert. And this is in a long line of incessant failures on behalf of Blog Talk Radio that they have no interest in fixing. And they, want, and they send me emails. Most of the emails say, hey, have you upgraded your package lately? You could do longer shows. Hey, I would love to do longer shows with a system that works. Um, but the other emails I get are, are you sure it's not something on your end? Nope, because nothing's changed on my end. God damn it. So anyway, this is probably going to be the last damn you Hollywood we do on Blog Talk Radio. The next time you hear the dulcet tones of Robert Winfrey and Mark Radlitz together discussing um, the loves and hates of the movie industry, it will be on Spreaker. I'm, I'm 99.9% sure that that's the case. So this is kind of our... Damn you, Hollywood. Goodbye to you, Blog Talk Radio show. How do you feel about that, Rob? How do, how do you feel about it after all these years of doing Damn You, Hollywood on Blog Talk Radio that this might be the last hurrah? I hate change. It frightens me. That's really kind of all I've got. Like I, I genuinely <laughs> hate change, but... Do you see the necessity for this change? Are, I mean, hey, look, are, you're, are you with you? look, you're the boss. I will do as if I had some major objection beyond my personal inability to comprehend that. Not inability to comprehend my personal, you know, wish that nothing would change because I I like, don't like, like it. I like consistency. I like stability. I I am averse to you know, chaos and randomness and changes of any variety. I have a very specific set of psychological parameters that have led me to this place in my life. I could detail them if you would prefer, but I, this is not therapy session with Robert Winfrey. This is damn you Hollywood. But beyond that, I have no, like, again, like, if I had some cogent, coherent objection as to why I wanted to stay here, I would have made it already when we were when we like when you first put forth the idea of I've had all I can stands, I can't stands no more, and I have no like coherent I, argument. <laughs> it's every week. Every week there's a new problem with Block Talk Radio. I can't take it anymore. I'd like to just be able to do my podcast and be done with this. 
We never have this problem with Google Hangouts, by the way. Just, I mean, well, that's not where this podcast is Just going. Just a thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could. Like, there's nothing stopping us from moving to that, to, from using Google Hangouts instead. But if, and look, if Spreaker winds up being a colossal pain in the ass, then you can find us <laughs> streaming on YouTube in the near future, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah, we're going to be going very lo-fi. That's going to be option three. Option one, stay with BTR and continue to be in a positive relationship. Option two, go to Spreaker and continue to have a nice polished podcast that sounds nice and looks pretty um, and, you know, and has, an, and has an, a, a good uh, podcast platform to in which to broadcast from. Three is going to be completely going lo-fi gorilla on, on Google Hangouts, where I just stopped caring after a while. <laughs> it's like, it's on YouTube. Fuck it, go listen to it. I don't care anymore. No more, no more, uh, I, don't have the t- I don't have the time or the patience to do the editing that um, that Jesse does, unless I make him do it. Jesse, start editing all my podcasts. That's not fair. He has a wife and children and a, and a child. So that's probably not going to happen. But it's, it's certainly out there as an option. Uh, to answer your question, yes, the Infinity War is the next chapter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, followed by Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I believe is either June or July. Uh, the, it's summer sometime. Uh, yeah, it's, no, it's definitely summer. Um, I should know this. Uh, hang on. July. Um, it's actually July 6th is when Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out. And that's actually it for the year for, for Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Um, after Ant-Man and the Wasp is Captain Marvel, which I believe is next February. Hang on, I have them all on the calendar. I've already started scheduling 2019. Can you believe it? I can't believe you continue wasting your time after the myriad of times that you've put together a schedule. You feel good about it. We all agree on it. I continually have to talk myself against picking up a bottle of vodka on the way home. And then... (laughs) something changes and you have to redo the whole thing. Like you yeah. put more well, thought and that's... effort into the scheduling of how we talk about movies than the people who release them do into their release structure. I really do. I take pride in my schedule. Uh, Captain Marvel is March 8th. And then I believe the next infinity movie is probably in, yeah, it's uh, May 3rd. And then after Avengers, um, I want to say that's it. I want to say that's all they've talked about. I mean, there's... Um, oh, I mean, no, it's not Spider-Man like Thanos Homecoming. is about to wipe out the universe or anything. Spider-Man Homecoming is July 5th. I believe that's the last announced Marvel movie. I mean, there's talks of Guardians 3 and all of that, but that's probably not... Do- they're probably not doing anything. They'll, they'll wait for Comic-Con. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, that's where we are right now. We're talking Black Panther tonight. Um, let's get into it. Yeah, I know that's you – I know what you're you know, Anything you want to bring up? Any any major changes? In, yeah, I mean, we haven't talked really extensively in a while. How are you doing? I'm good. Kids I'm okay? Good. Marriage on firm footing? The new, the new work schedule is uh, is okay. Um you know, I'm working five days. I'm working five days now instead of my two on, two off. And it's got that has its ups and downs, but overall, it's, it's okay. The kids are doing great. Lily is doing great in school. Jonas is getting, you know, rare enough to start school in August. Uh, the wife is more or less happy. So, you know, 
Things are things are good. I joined Movie Pass. I can tell you about that. That actually relates to this podcast. I joined Movie Pass. I tried to get you to join Movie Pass, but you're fighting it for some odd reason. Um, since since I've joined Movie Pass, I've seen Proud Mary. I actually, I, I don't know. if Seen Proud Mary is the right phrase. Slept through Proud Proud Mary would be more accurate. Um, I wanted to test. That's going to be like the, that's going to be the name of Taraji P Henson's memoirs. You probably slept through it. <laughs> oh, don't make fun of her. She tries so hard. Um, <laughs> not a commentary on her trying. Not even a commentary on her ability. But. Seriously, <laughs> there's a problem there. Well, it was um, it was it was early in January. I wanted to test my movie pass, see how it worked. It worked fine, but I ended up picking like a really late showing, um, you know, just, just to see how everything worked. And by the time, and it was really early into my schedule. And now, like, if I go to the movies too late, I will start to pass out. So I have to, I you know, I I can't see movies past a certain time. Uh, I was really struggling with that one. So that's, that's not really a commentary on the movie. I tried. It tried. I tried. We all tried. Um, so I've seen the Proud Mary. I I saw 12 Strong, which was fine. You know, it was a good war picture with uh, I've debated, Chris Hemsworth. I've debated seeing that. It wasn't bad. Uh, what else did I see? Uh, I took the keys to go anyway, see so the Rabbit. For, for the uninitiated, what is Movie Pass? Movie Pass allows you to see one movie a day, every day, for $10 a month. Now, it has to be a 2D. It can't be a Fathom event. Uh, and it has to be in the theater that actually accepts movies. You can't book your show earlier than a day in advance. So, it has to, you know, so like at 12.01 a.m., you can book for that day. But at 11.59 the previous day, it will not let you book for the next day. And I know that because I've dropped um, what happens is you, uh, you now, unless there's an e-ticketing service, well, I have two theaters near me. One has the e-ticketing service. And would you believe that MoviePass is not a sponsor of the show, ladies and gentlemen? But here we go. Um, has the e-ticketing service. I'm going where, to get to why I will not buy this service as soon as I want Mark to do this very briefly, just so I can then point out why I won't do it. Okay, great. Now I know why we're doing this bit. I'm all for it. Let's go. So um, with the e-ticketing service, you can book your ticket online, and it'll you know it'll hold your place and your seat. And you go there, you punch in the confirmation code, and it gives you your ticket, and, and you walk in. Um, with the non-e-ticketing services, you actually have to be within 100 feet of the theater and um, check in. It gives you a code, rinse, repeat. So it's that's a difference. So like with one of the theaters, I have to kind of go first thing in the morning, drive over there get my ticket, and then go to work. With the other one, I could just do everything from my phone, and it'll be waiting for me when I show up at, like, 8 o'clock at night. Um, so real quick, because uh, I, I want to tell you all the movies I saw. So I saw, uh, I saw Proud Mary. I saw 12 Strong. Uh, what else did I see? I saw Peter Rabbit with the kids. I took the kids to go see Black Panther. Which, which I saw twice, which we'll eventually get to talking about. I went with a girl who is not my wife to go see Fifty Shades Freed. How do you like that? Look, what you do in your personal life is I ask because <laughs> I'm told this is how people are supposed to interact. <laughs> oh, really, Robert from another planet? Is this, this is what you've learned about human existence? 
It only took 30 years, but yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to Earth. So, Robert, why do you hate MoviePass and everything about it? I don't hate it. I don't have a phone. You don't have a cell phone? I do not own a cell phone. Really? You're the only man on Earth. I'm I not know... the only man on Earth, but I am one of the, like, but no, yeah. Do not Dude, I know heroin addicts and homeless. I know heroin addicts and homeless people who have phones. How the hell do you not have a phone? I don't want to pay a service anything so that other people can bother me whenever they want, which is literally the only function a cell phone would have for me. That's, an interesting that, that's idea. all they are. Okay. They that is that is all they are. They are they give other people the ability to break into my solitude and my comfort whenever they feel like for no reason other than they feel like it. You are my dad. I swear to God. I, my, I mean, my dad has a cell phone, by the way, but he, he, he makes a lot of those same arguments. It's, it must be why I'm connected to you, because cause you very much remind me of my father. Do you want to talk about Black Panther now? Uh, yeah, now that we've discussed my, I mean, I'm not even a technophobe. Like, I just really don't see paying 40 bucks a month to have the ability to talk to people when I freaking hate talking to people. <laughs> you know, phones do other things. You're on speaker, by the way, because it's killing me that I can't remember what the other movie was I saw. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It does to like, me, I... goddammit. All right. Then you satiate your temporary curiosity, and I'll... I, Tanya, that was the other one. I, Tanya was really good. I really enjoyed the shit out of that. So, wait, can I, can I now use your access to this, fee, this subscription service to actually, like, have movies to talk about that don't suck out loud? Because that'd be nice. On the days that I'm not... Well, I only go once a week, but on the days that I'm... Or twice if I take my kids... But on the days that I'm not using them, um, sure. But you have to usually you have to have a phone, or you have to do it through the through, through the website. And no, no, no. Like I, 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 no. Now that you have this service, talk yeah. about movies that don't suck. That'd be nice. Oh, you, oh, you want me to go to the movies, and 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 you'll go separately. But I'll be using my movie pass to go see movies that don't stink. Got it. I understand what you're saying now. I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> That would be so nice. It would really uh, right. go against the. It would really go against the motif of "damn you Hollywood" if we started talking about you know We'd movies we're not damning show. Hollywood like, more. We would actually <laughs> just have to come up with another show. <laughs> you, you you pitched me pigs before. Uh, what was oh pearls, pearls before, before swine. swine. Yeah, you pick you pitched me pearls before swine. Hey, look, if this gig on Spreaker works out, I would not be opposed to doing a uh, a another show. Um, we uh, I mean, look, we've still got to find weeks where I can torture you with movies that I make you see. Like, I, I, ju- I just know <laughs> you're trying to not do more than so many shows yeah, over I'm the course of a given past, week. I'm trying to not go past three shows. But there are – but there, look, if you can get to the calendar before I do and, you know, challenge declared, gauntlet dropped, if you, you have access to the same calendar that I do. If you can get on there and you, and you, know, and you want to book stuff on a Tuesday – under you know either because you know because you made me or uh, or, well, I've or got a list. Go I have it. like forty movies that I want to make you suffer. Not a, no no not a joke. When you threw out when you said 
I'm interested in potentially doing the show. And you, ta- you, I mean, this was not just unique to me. There were several people that you kind of mentioned. You thought this was an interesting idea. You'd like to expand both what you'd seen and get another show out of it. I mean, again, there were a lot. It wasn't just me. Like this was not something that just you and I talked about. When you put that out there, I grabbed a legal pad and I started writing. <laughs> this is not a joke. Christ. It is sitting within arm's reach from where I sit right now. I could grab it and look at it. I have a list. Okay, let me let me first tell you that I booked every Tuesday. Not not joking about this. I have booked every single Tuesday until like September. There's a date in September when I get back from my cruise that currently has nothing on it. And then in October, there's one day that doesn't have anything on it. But I think before that, yeah, every single Tuesday. Because I I don't want to do four days a week if I can help it. And the only thing I'm willing to do is if there's like a a Death Wish uh, remake and Death Wish original, you know, for on trial that I want to do. You know, things like that. But uh, but I'm trying to even limit those. So yeah, good luck trying to find a date. But I would jump on that calendar if I were you. You want to do some of these and you know and start booking dates out. The only now, thing that would, might the only thing that the only reason that I want, I might move something is if a, is if a TV show that I need to cover for TV party ends up getting announced. Yeah, we do need to. Have you set a date for Hannibal season two yet? Because um no. Um, but at the, I know you mentioned that you wanted this, to, but uh, I'll uh, have a no, look I, at the update schedule. Um, here, I'll tell you when we're doing it, October 2nd. Okay, sounds good. All right, now that you all <laughs> suffered through Mark and I catching up for 30 minutes. Welcome to the Schedule Podcast, my favorite podcast of the month. Yeah, it's what Mark lives for. Again, tonight we are talking about Black Panther. Mark, I want to I want to ask you this before we do the plot synopsis. I I mean I knew why we put this on the schedule. It's a big Marvel release. So when I ask you what were your expectations going into this, I really want to focus that around the uh, I don't want to say obscene, uh, but the insane amount of buzz and hype and response that this thing was getting. How much did you buy into that? And I can save, like, did the movie live up to it, et cetera, for after we get into the craft of the film. But this thing got, over the last just, like, three to four weeks, an, an insane amount of everyone must see this, this is changing the game, this is a, you know, et cetera, like, hyperbole. Like, they, they, like critics suddenly became type of, you know, like, people who write copy for the UFC. Like, just hyperbole out the ass. So what what were you like, what were you feeling like what were you thinking going into it knowing that it had, had that kind of response like are, were you buying into it were you like me were you just deeply skeptical you know where was your head at as it pertained to just how much praise this was getting I want to answer your question thusly first of all I I, I was thinking about this question I knew you were going to inevitably ask me what were my expectations and. As I sat on the toilet, which is where I do my, my best thinking, I said, all right, I want to answer this in a very specific way. Um, and that is I had, two, I had two expectations, neither of which were met, and that I'm very thankful for. The first expectation was that there was going to be an infinity 
Jem McGuffin in this one because for two reasons I thought this. One, they haven't introduced yet where the last Infinity Gem is. Um, presumably it's in Wakanda, and I and I am presuming this because of the Avengers Infinity War trailers that feature uh, a huge fight scene in Wakanda between what looks like the Chitari and, you know, the Wakandans and some of the Avengers. So, I assume it's, it exists in the center of the vibranium that they're mining. Like, it was part of the asteroid that fell to Earth. It's now just sitting yeah. in there. That, that, that would be my thought. And whether or not they I know mean, there are there two other stones on the planet. Like, Thanos is coming for the Time Stone and the Mind Stone as well. Like, this is not, unique, this is not limited, but there does need to be right. a reason for the Wakandan thing. Yeah, so you figure that's where the last Infinity Stone is. Um, yeah, it's somewhere in Wakanda. And I figured they would introduce that in this movie, which which is boring, and I don't want to see another movie that revolves around, uh, you know, revolves around the MacGuffin, you know, that is an Infinity Stone. Thankfully, that's not what this movie's about, so cross that off. The second thing I thought, and this is coming directly out of our experience with Thor Ragnarok, and as much as I like that movie, and if you'd like to hear old men screaming at clouds, um, you know, as they debate the merits of Thor Ragnarok and the human in the humor therein, go check out our Thor Ragnarok podcast in the archives. Thusly, not fucked up by Block Talk Radio, if I remember correctly. God, those are the good old days. Anywho, um, I thought going into Black Panther that the new motif, that the the, the new rule for Marvel films was going to be yuck it up. It, you know, laughs every only when there, uh, apparently only when there's white people on screen. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens with the Avengers. Um, before I, I commit to everything's got to be a joke now, but I figured that was where we were going with with these Marvel movies, and and I and I was like, I hope not. I hope Black Panther, you know, strikes a different tone, which it did, and I was grateful for that, and I actually enjoyed the tone that it did strike. But going into it, I was very much afraid that we were going to get, uh, you know, we were going to get more of the Thor Ragnarok thing, which is, again, crack, you know, cracking wise every third line. So those are my expectations, neither of which were met, and I'm grateful for it. All right. As for the movie, here comes your old plot synopsis. So if you want to be wary of spoilers, here's your warning. Uh, we open with a brief history of Wakanda. Again, this is a country in Africa where... A vibranium meteor fell thousands and thousands of years ago, and they've benefited from having exposure to this super metal. It's not even really a metal. Like, you think of it as a metal, but it can do everything. It is, I mean, Ultron made a body out of it. Like, there's, this stuff it can do anything. It's like the Force. It can do whatever the plot damn well says it can and yeah, so we again we get a little bit of history about the tribes in Wakanda, their relationship with each other, the magical plant that has given the superpowers to the Black Panther. Not a joke, actual magical plant. You drink from it, you become superpowered. Uh, this uh, that leads us into what is going on with T'Challa, who we met in. in uh, Civil War, when he was the most interesting and most logical and put-together character on that entire movie, <laughs> while 
Meanwhile, you know, Tony's having a breakdown that he won't actually act because Robert Downey Jr. doesn't want to. And Cap has to be like, guys, seriously, government is not the answer to everything, especially the U.N. Do I have to bring up Rwanda? Really, it's right there. And here he is rounding up the last of the important elements of Wakanda that are out in the world because he has to be crowned king and there's a whole thing. So he rescues his ex, not rescues, he retrieves his ex. There's a crappy fight scene. Seriously, like, ugh, it was... I'll get to it later. And he is crowned king. There is a challenge from one of the tribes, which he is able to overcome. And one of the first opportunities he is presented with as king is finally getting his hands on Ulysses Claw, played by the great Andy Circus. And Circus has... Uh, Circus. Claw has resurfaced because he is selling a hunk of vibranium that was identified by Michael B. Jordan in his desperate bid to get into a Marvel movie that doesn't suck out loud. And he's... So he's selling this. They try to capture him. The U.S. government is trying to buy it. There's complications. There's a car chase scene. They finally do catch him. uh, Where he then exposes to... Frodo, uh, Bilbo, Barton Freeman, that's it, that Wakanda's not actually a primitive third world country, it's the most advanced civilization on Earth, they're just hiding it really, really well. Uh, he, Claw is rescued by, again, Michael B. Jordan, who's revealed to be the long-lost cousin of T'Challa. It's actually set up better than that, I'm not doing, I'll do the plot point just later. And they wind up having to save Martin Freeman by bringing him to Wakanda after he's shot during the escape. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, who thought Killmonger was a good name? I mean, not just like from a screenwriting standpoint, but even writing comics. Like, Killmonger, that's a name. Really? Yeah, sorry. Uh, anyway, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger character kills... Claw, rather anticlimactically, drags his body. <laughs> Do you people not understand how hard it is to drag a human body around? I, I seriously mean that. Like it, it's it's a constant thing in movies and television that makes me want to pull my hair out. He utilizes the body of Claw, who is hated by Wakandans for stealing the vibranium and blowing something up in the process and killing some people, like you do. Uh, he announces that he is, again, the long-lost cousin of T'Challa and is of actual royal bloodline and challenges him for the throne and subsequently whips his ass. Uh, because you always have to, like, this is... Yeah, never mind. I will save this for later. Defeats T'Challa but doesn't kill him. Uh, throws him off a waterfall because apparently this is not an individual who has experience actually, like, killing main characters. He, he kills the... He'll run through an army of extras, but you put someone with dialogue in front of him, and uh, he's, he's 50-50. Uh, T'Challa's mom and his, again, ex, and Martin Freeman escape. He is found by the, again, slightly one of the slightly exiled clans of Wakanda. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's plan, now that he is king, is we're gonna burn the world down. I'm sick of the oppression of black people. I want to just watch the world burn, and now that I'm king, I can kind of do it. So we're sending out vibranium-enhanced weaponry. 
and we're going to destabilize every major world power, and they'll all come crawling to us because we are the technologically superior people, and the world will be a better place under our rule once we have burned down the current system. I I almost don't even know what to say to that. It's just so asinine, but he's the villain. He doesn't need coherent plot points or a compelling story arc or even believable dialogue in a Marvel movie. Uh, they again. T'Challa's not actually dead because he's the hero. Uh, he survives the fall, the you know the waterfall dip, and then is brought back by the last of the magical plant because Michael B. Jordan orders it all burned for reasons that are only part like I don't know. It, it, that was a really iffy. It, they justified it in a really weird way for from where I sit, but. Uh, anyway, T'Challa is reinvigorated. We get our final showdown, wherein T'Challa fights Killmonger and the sort of disparate entities in you know, Wakanda all have a fight. There's battle rhinos. I kid you not. Uh, T'Challa wins and decides to lead his people into a bright new future where instead of hiding their techno- their technology and their perspective on the world, they're going to share it and become an actual player on the world stage. And let Thanos know that they exist so he can subsequently nuke them from orbit, which is what's going to happen. Uh, all right. I know there's a few points I kind of either glossed over or might have omitted, um, but Mark, where do you want to start with this thing? Uh, all right. Number one, I'm using my Bluetooth headphones, so if I'm patchy or anything, just kind of hit me on Messenger and tell me, for God's sake, turn it off. Uh, for God's sake, turn it off. Oh, we're already there? You're you're really like uh, you sound like you're talking through a walkie-talkie from 1983. Better. Yes. Okay. Let me turn these off. Um. Oh, there. Turn off. Okay. Okay. Where do I want to start? I want to start with anything that anything that you feel I omit. No, 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 no. Let me first tell you what I thought of the movie. Um, actually, let me go back a second. I said on source material when we discussed the Black Panther comic, who was the Black Panther, I said, you know, it's 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 a fine movie. It's good. Um, I was entertained. I enjoyed it. I took my kids to go see it Sunday, um, and I think they liked it too. Though, you know, there were a couple of really intense scenes that you know, shook up my daughter. But, you know, she, again, she, she doesn't do well with, with a lot of this stuff. Um, uh, when I'll definitely, I think the one I think the one that you spoke to me about was when Patel takes the, takes the ride all, all on the waterfall. <laughs> fucking Michael B. Jordan just fucking throws him off the waterfall. She's like, oh, God, he's dead. Badly um, throws him off the waterfall, too, like. I mean, um, come on, man. I mean, Whoever choreographed that, and Michael B. Jordan, and the, well, the stuntman, I assume. I don't want to throw Jordan under the bus if it's not necessarily him. But you couldn't watch one pro wrestling match? Like, that's not a difficult spot to make believable, and somehow you did it. Well, the seven-year-old thought the man was dead. So there you go. It pulled the, it pulled the child. And look. Guy falling from high, like the guy falling from a high place is fine. Like that, that served its purpose. But the the method that he did it, and I just kind of went, really. So here's the deal. Um, this was a very well done Marvel movie. 
which is probably one of the best Marvel movies in terms of craft. And I'll, and I'll lay those I'll lay those details out for you in a moment. It wasn't my personal favorite, but I was entertained. Um, here's here's what's good about this movie. One, let, let's start with the best part about it. And feel free to disagree when it you know when it's your time to. But let me give me my say here. I thought this was probably one of the best villains yet in the Marvel universe. You know, he. I really feel like you know, Killmonger may be a stupid name, but I feel like Michael B. Jordan's character had a kind a, a rich-ish um, backstory. I thought he had a real bone to pick with. Wakanda and T'Challa, um, you know, he he earned that chip on his shoulder. I thought the powers that he had were believable. I thought his ability to beat, you know, an unpowered uh, T'Challa was believable. Um, and you know, we can debate the merits of his plan, but ultimately, you know, he he wanted to run he wanted to run magic guns across the world and give black people an advantage that they had that heretofore hadn't had. Not the worst plan I've ever heard. Um, you want to you want to comment that it's not the best plan? That's fine. But again, I've heard worse plans. Um, I've heard I've I've certainly heard more convoluted plans. And so it was nice to get, especially kind of nice to see a villain with a very straightforward plan based out of something you know based out of something that's real. The idea that that you know black people have been you know perpetually uh, underpowered. Uh, throughout history, and so here's an opportunity to turn things on their head. That was what he was looking for. And I like that idea. The internal conflicts, moving away from the villain for a moment, I like the internal conflicts of what should Wakanda be in 2018. Should it be this, you know, city on a hill, or should it stay hidden from the world because the world's not ready for its riches and its uh, and its uh, collective mind? Um, and you know, and does that ultimately change Wakanda? If they change, you know, if they become a city on a hill, you know, if they reveal themselves to the world, what does that mean to that culture? I thought all of that was interesting. I thought that I, I thought as far as asking some philosophical questions and being more than just a straightforward action flick, this was probably the most insightful, one of the more insightful Marvel movies outside of Civil War. I mean, I I, I griped about the ending of Civil War and some of Robert Downey Jr.'s acting choices, but you know, I thought Civil War. Him or the director, uh, we're not sure what, who's more to blame in that circumstance, but yes. Civil War asked some interesting questions, and so did Black Panther. Now, other movies don't ask very interesting questions and are just sort of you know there to entertain, which is fine. Um, Ragnarok, looking squarely at you. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be one of them. Um, you know, this, this, was definitely the, this was definitely one of the more political movies. You know, we talk we we often talk about um one of the things we like about some of the movies that we've seen is movies that deal with relationships. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was very much a relationships movie. I don't think it was asking very important questions as such culturally, but it was definitely about the characters and their relationships and the concepts of, you know, specifically father and son. And then you then family the in general kind of in, then the pendulum kind of swings in this direction where uh, this wasn't really a relationship movie. This was a very political movie. And I like that. You know, I like a little politics in my movies. It's fine. You know, and I didn't think it was very preachy. I thought a lot of, I thought a lot of, I thought a lot of the questions were laid squarely at T'Challa's feet. 
and he and I thought Chadwick Boseman played a pensive and um, you know a, a character that was really struggling with those questions, and almost you know the resolution of the movie is him almost being pushed into okay, well clearly staying hidden results in uh, possibly losing the kingdom. Um, you know maybe we need to take we, we need to take a chance here and and try to be that city on a hill. So all of those things I liked. Um, I didn't think there was a bad performance in the bunch. My favorite performance was probably um, Andy Circus. I, I thought he when, I'm so he, sad they killed him. Phenomenal. I am so sad yeah. they killed him. <laughs> like, I was, was bummed so, about that. So sad. Like, no, yeah, you, you, have, a, really you have a villain who's actually got a bit of life to him. You know, and I, right. I'll address Michael B. Jordan individually because different characters, but here you got Andy Serkis, and, like, when you got an entourage now, are you selling a mixtape? Yeah, actually, there is one. Would you like a SoundCloud link? Oh, that whole that whole exchange with him and Martin Freeman was probably one of the highlights of the movie for me. Because he's like, he's, you know, he won't let go of his shoulder, and Martin Freeman's like, all right, like after a good five minutes, like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, I, I even hear him as a villain, him feeling like... I mean, the the the, the Wakandans are a bunch of savages. Eh, uh, I don't know how I felt about that, but the idea that they're hypocrites and that they're lying to the world and that you know and that they've pulled the wool over everybody's eyes and he's like angry about it, you know, and he's angry about what you know. He's like, I stole a little bit of vibranium and they branded me. You know? <laughs> I liked all that about him. But again, he's not all mustache twirly either. He had a lot of life to him, and he was a very amusing character without being jokey McJokester. Um, so that was good too. You know, the, the rest of the supporting cast is fine. Lupita Nyong'o is fine. The woman who plays the general is fine. The only one who I thought had kind of a underwhelming performance was okay. Character's name. Um, the one that I think I, I think he was just in Get Out. Um. Uh, hang on. Who's the husband of the general? Oh, the uh, rhino guy. Yeah, rhino guy. Just call him the rhino guy. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not even like listed in the main cast. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So rhino guy. I thought he kind of gave a. Uh, Oh, huh? Um, uh, underwhelming. That was the word I used. I thought he gave like kind of an underwhelming performance because he had an opportunity to like. I was, I was talking to somebody else about this. People, there are people who are struggling with the idea, and this came out actually. Oh, this was in the half in the bag review. Where they talked about how like it takes a day for the for like half the country to fall into, to, to to turn against the king and go to fall into civil war. Well, Okay, you're talking about two sets of guards, essentially. You have the the all female uh, guard that's loyal to the one general and ends up becoming loyal and ends up staying loyal to T'Challa and turning on the, uh, the and turning on Michael B. Jordan, which made sense. Um, and then you have uh, Rhino Guy's army, which they're loyal to him. They don't really have a dog in the hunt as such, but they were loyal to him, and he turned on T'Challa because he didn't feel like T'Challa really put his all into, into getting claw. Now, here's the thing about that. That went way too quickly. 
he he like gives him one chance to get Claw. Like all these years, your father did nothing to get Claw. I'm hoping things will be different with you. And it's like one opportunity, and the, the guy got away. We had him, and he slipped through our and you know he slipped through our fingers. And it's just like that's it. I'm gonna follow the first fucking <laughs> imposter king that, uh, that that walks through the door. I'm like mm, need a little more here. That that was a little weak. But I, I mean, the, the general, kind of like, since, since you brought that up, like, the general's conflict is much more real and believable. Like, because she was clearly mm-hmm. rooting for T'Challa, and then when she thinks he's dead, her response is, I'm not going to overthrow this guy. I'm not going to start an insurgency. I don't like him. Right. I am loyal he, to the, the king, king, and I am loyal to the country. Right. And whatever my reservations are, there is a, I mean, like, she doesn't side with T'Challa immediately just because he's alive again, he reemerges and says, you know, you win the challenge to the throne by either killing me or me yielding. I didn't yield and I'm not dead. Like right. here, here's a sound logical argument as to why uh, to, uh, to, you know, undermine your rule. And the person who is very into the rule of law and following that sides with the rule of law. Like, yay. You'd made someone who made sense. Like, <laughs> congratulations. Why doesn't this other you know, guy and, make and, sense? And the conflict, the, the conflict plays out in the relationship between her and her husband. You know, it's like, would you really, you know, would you really kill me over all this? He's like, you know, it's this isn't this isn't about you. This is about the country. It, you know, it's the greater good. Is that that's the argument she's making? This is for the greater good. Um, you know, and luckily, you know, at that point he relents. But that's the thing. It was like all of his choices are underwhelming and lack emotion. His turning on T'Challa needed to be, you know, I said the same thing about I hated the end of Civil War because of that's supposed to be a really emotional moment when he realizes that Tony's Bucky supposed to go berserk. Parents. And instead right. and he's he, mildly he, annoyed. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's a very underwhelming performance that doesn't match the emotional reveal of the scene. Okay, this is the exact same thing. If you're that angry that you're willing to follow this other guy to the point where you're willing to, you know, to institute a civil war in your own, you know, in this country, you need to be more on the edge. You you need to be more emotional than what's being portrayed on screen. It was like he was, you know, half asleep through most of his performance. And that's really my only I have two criticisms. That in and of itself. That his acting, that sequence, that bit of plot, anything revolving around him, I was like, eh, I'm not really into this. Um, but the rest of it I was fine with. I really enjoyed Manape. Uh, you know, I thought he gave a fun performance. I, I especially got a kick out of his, you know, his throne room when he's like, are you done? Are you done? <laughs> you know, it was, it was one of those Guardians of the Galaxy moments. It was like, well, we're all standing. What a bunch of assholes we are. Um, <laughs> but... Um, the other criticism I have in the movie is the CGI. CGI look look like shit. Oh. <laughs> Bear in mind, you know, guys, if Mark's saying there's problems with the CGI, what do you think I'm going to say? Yeah, the, the CGI looks really bad. Um, and I was like, I feel like a lot of money went into researching African cultures, you know, and a, and a lot of money went into costuming and... Uh, Which looks great, that, by the way. Like, in all yeah, fairness, the movie looks the, awesome. the physical stuff looks great. 
Right, but the but the fight sequences where there's a lot of C, the C, and it's like not all the CGI look bad. It was just the CGI fighting look like shit. And I want to echo the last thing I'm going to say about this. I'm very much torn on this particular criticism. It's one that I've heard before. It's one that I've heard a lot of professional critics make, and that is Marvel has one major problem with its villains, and that is they are mirror images of their heroes. Iron Man. Iron Monger. That's kind of fair. I hadn't thought about it before, but there's a there's a fair amount of that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally it's 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 the through the looking glass version of whoever their hero is. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy didn't have that problem, obviously, but um, um, neither did the second and third Captain America movies. But the first one, absolutely, that's very deliberately a plot point. Um, you know, you yeah, you have. Just, like I said, these, some of the obvious ones are Iron Man, Iron Monger, um, Ant-Man, Yellow Jacket, uh, Doctor Strange, Malekith, or whatever the fuck his name was. Not Malekith. You know what I'm talking about, though. Kaiselius. Um, Evil Wizard. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones just off the top of my head. Um, I'm trying to think of some other Marvel movies. Oh, Thor and Loki. <laughs> I mean, Thor, Thor and Loki is very much, you know, just a slightly darker version of himself. Um, what's that other one? Why can't I remember the name of that movie? Hella? No. I mean, sort of, but... Yeah, actually, now that I actually try to remember that movie, because I don't want to, but... Yeah, Hella's <laughs> very much... I mean, she is very deliberately... She's like Odin's firstborn... So, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, not in terms of character, because there is no character. In that, There's no characters in that movie, but that's a whole... We had that discussion. <laughs> so, um, without, without ripping up the list of, eight, uh, of you know, 17 prior Marvel movies and picking up the mirror images... I will do they that do because... It in, oh, <laughs> I will do the that. Abomination. Oh, is it Hulk and the Abomination? That's a big one. And I want to say that's okay. where somebody first pointed that out was like, why do we keep getting mirror images of the same villain, of the same hero um, as the villain? So anyway, uh, and literally, I mean, quite literally, it's the, the villain. I mean, Michael, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger was fine when he was in his, like, fatigues and for some odd reason, you know, chest armor, which I don't understand. Hey, why the chest going. armor serves a purpose, at least. No, I mean, the other one you had was you had Age of Ultron. And I'm not sure if you'd call Ultron a dark mirror of Tony Stark, but I mean he's meant to be a dark no, mirror of the I Avengers. No, I wasn't even thinking of that. I wasn't even thinking of that. I actually I thought that was one of the exceptions. Uh, again, like I wouldn't agree with that one. Spider-Man doesn't have that, but Doctor Strange definitely does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I mean I'd even argue both like Iron Man two and three. You still have that. Like you have Whiplash, who's very obviously meant to be kind of a demented Tony. And then three, you have whatever three is. Like <laughs> <laughs> three, three is that movie we don't talk about. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that, that's a real this... problem that they have. <laughs> so I'm watching literally the, the I'm watching literally the same character fight himself, and the only difference between them is one has gold trim and the other one has purple trim. Other than that, it was like who the fuck cares. Like it's the why are we? It's the same damn character. Um, you know, it was much more interesting when he was fighting Manape. 
or when he was uh, fighting Claw. At least then there was some... I mean, film is a visual medium. You want to see differentiation in the characters. When, you, when, it's, when, it's just, when you're just fighting a clone of yourself, it isn't visually appealing. You can get away with that once in a while if you do it stylistically, but when you're doing it over and over and over again, in this movie, man, that this, they broke it up enough to where you know T'Challa was fighting Rhino Guy's guards for a big part of that scene, and he doesn't really get to kill Monger until you know towards the end. But when they, but that whole, I mean, my God, two. Let, let me set this up for those of you who haven't seen this movie and for some odd reason are listening to this podcast. Let me set the stage. Two characters all wearing the exact same black outfit in a cave on a black train track. What the fuck? Like, this was, the, this was a color palette designed by a dog. <laughs> you know, as, much, as beautiful as this movie looks at times, this is the worst-looking part of the movie, and I don't understand who, what possessed them to do it. It's, I mean, that whole scene uh, in the beginning when he assaults the you know rebels in Nigeria to get his girlfriend back like that that and then the final one like really really odd art direction choices well it's like it's like they saw Batman you know they've, they've seen like Batman movies like hey Batman wears all black and attacks in the shadows let's just do more of that no let's not do more of that how about let's it's 2018 how about we use some color let's go see Ted Turner he'll tell you all about it Jesus Christ Maybe they haven't many... had enough color with the cast. But that's Dutch. Um, <laughs> hey, who's, I'm the one that makes the racist jokes around here, buddy. Quit muscled in on my racket. Um, I wanted to see how it felt. Doesn't feel so good. I don't know how you live with yourself. Uh, very easily. I sleep quite well. Uh, so that, that's really it. I um, I was a little jarred by by some of the Africanism uh, as portrayed in the costuming, specifically the guys with the with the extended lips and the discs. It, like, there's a part of me that just wanted to yell, that's racist, but it's kind of not. <laughs> like, there are, like, okay, like, there are African it. tribes that do lip disking. Like, what do you want? Uh, no, no, that's it. Like, like it's so weird that that's the culture we live in right now. Where it's like, hey, that's racist. Wait, no, it really isn't, though. That's the culture. And if you had a culture that existed in isolation and was able to develop, that would probably not go away. And if anyone wants to question that, come hang out with me in the jail and see the pe- and see the people I deal with who are tattooed from head to toe. Okay, we just because you live in a modern technological society doesn't mean we, you don't you know, decorates your body in some strange way, shape, or form. So I don't want to – so if anyone's going to make that argument, I don't want to hear it. You know, I'm perfectly now willing to believe, you know, with the amount of neck tattoos I see with Nazi symbols on and people with tattooed faces like Bam Bam fucking Bigelow, I'm willing to believe that in 2018 in an isolated African society untouched by white hands, people would still be disking their lips. And that's what I have to say about that. I mean, people disc their lips anyway. Like, there are just people who do that. <laughs> it's weird. <Yeah. laughs> I, I don't get it, but... It was... I, yeah, it was jarring at first for me, and, I, and then I was like, okay, sure, why not? Let's let's move on. I, like, it was like a momentary, like, huh? And then like, all right, sure, cool. Um, yeah, personally, 
I agree with Mark on the acting. It's all it's all pretty solid. Like there's nothing great, but it's all man. Apart from one random dude, it's there, there's a solid effort put forth by everyone. I'm not going to call anyone out for sleepwalking. There's a couple of CGI sequences in this that just made me so sad. I just like hurt. Again, that that scene when he assaults the convoy, I'm like, who thought this looked good? <laughs> like seriously, who thought this was a good idea? I, I know why you said it at night with a guy in black attacking people in camo. You're trying to distract the audience from how badly rendered the guy moving around is. <laughs> I, again, there, there's parts of it that are just like, ow, it hurts, and then there's other parts of it that are beautiful. Like Wakanda looks great. It seriously makes me wonder, like, okay, you can render these buildings and these, you know, fictionalized sunsets and all this stuff. Like, this looks great. Why does your rhino look like crap? <laughs> Why does yeah, this enormous like rhino lot, walking around a, a pen look like something out of a PS2 level graphics? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why does this look like a zoo story? Um, yeah, I... I feel like they spent a lot of money on making Wakanda look really pretty, and then they, they just ran out of money in the budget. <laughs> like, uh, like we can't go over $200 million. Well, we've spent 190 of it on the, on the fucking making Wakanda look awesome. Um, all right. What else did I have? Um, I really just, like... The character of Killmonger, again, stupid name aside... There's a lot of, in many parts of this movie, there's a lot of stuff that, like, you really kind of wish they'd gone deeper on. Like, this guy, this character having an issue with Wakanda, and you know a little of his backstory, like, no, that that makes sense. Like, he's one of the more logical Marvel villains. He's up there with, you know, Stain, who just wants to be profitable <laughs> before he starts spouting one-liners. <laughs> like, the, there's there's some emotional reasoning for what he does. There's some logistical reasoning. Like there's a there's some stuff that could have been interesting there, and you kind of glossed over it. And I'm not as near as I can tell. It's to give more screen time to. I don't even sure what like what got stretched. This okay, is the weirdest so thing. The like problem. this movie doesn't feel long, but you know it's long. Like. That's the thing is like there was pacing issues with this movie. They spent a good hour of the movie just getting you invested in Wakanda. See, that that's the problem. Like they probably should have saved Killmonger for a different movie or taken Claw out. One of the two. Like One again, the, the guys two, in yeah. half in the bag made this point, which was they introduced Killmonger right at the beginning of the movie in London, and then you don't see him for another hour. Because in that hour, you have the Claw subplot in South Korea, and you have the establishing of Wakanda and all of its uh, cultural elements, up to and including the uh, the um, ceremonial fight, which goes on forever. So, like, they needed to... Something had to go. And I think that that was the kind of the problem with this movie also, was it tried to do a little too much, and in doing so, it gave short shrift to the, the best part of the movie, which is the villain. I also, I also think, um, 
I can't believe I've mentioned this before. I really liked uh, Chadwick Boseman here. Uh, he does a lot of, and this is the weirdest thing because he's not a reluctant leader in the traditional sense of. Because you see that a lot, like, no, anyone but me, I really don't want power. Well, you're the only, and then, like, terrible things happen, at which point Hero realizes, no, I'm literally the only qualified person to do this. Well, my life sucks. Because <laughs> he's not, because he is not that. Like, this is a guy who knew for a long time this was coming, wasn't, com- wasn't happy about the circumstances, because, again, his father was murdered. Like, no, I, I really didn't want to be in charge because you got blown up by a psychopath. Makes sense to me. Well, wait, wait, and, you got blown up by, wait, wait, hang on, let's, let's, let's just damn you Hollywood. You got blown up by suddenly Zemo. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been a while. Come on. Give me it first. has. Give, it give has. Me first. I, I appreciate it. No, and... <laughs> So he has not really had time to formulate what he's going to be like as a ruler, and then then there's a lot of his internal conflict. He a lot of his dialogue is actually just when he talks with one extreme, taking a more moderate standpoint, and then when he talks with the mm-hmm. other extreme, like no, I like trying to figure out what he wants to do, and then you know, fecal matter hits the ventilation system. And he is deprived well, of the opportunity to, to kind of find his own way. But I like the way he played it. He, he, the, that's, that goes back to Rhino Guy having really insufficient motivation for turning on Black Panther. It was like his his like he should have been telling him at the time, like when they, when they're walking around the city and he's petting the rhino and all of that. That was a that was an opportunity for him to to talk about. Now that you're king, are you going to introduce us to the world? Don't you think we should take more of a world stage? Like, a lot of the, hey, black people are suffering, don't you think you should do something about it? Because what people in Nwango talks about, that, but that's framed by their relationship. It's, hey, stay, be my queen. I can't. Black people are suffering. I need to go help them. You know, and you could be helping them, too. It's like, eh, Wakanda. And that's not what we do. Um, he should have been saying it, too. And he should have been more forceful about it, and that should have been framed a little bit more revolutionary. That should have been like, like you know, for years we sat under your father's rule while he, you know, while he watched black people, you know, you know. And he should have been like naming things. He should like look at, you know, how could you turn a blind eye to the Congo? How can you turn a blind eye to Rwanda? These are all places. These are our neighbors, and we just watch them suffer. This is your opportunity to, to create a shining city on a hill here in Wakanda and help our brothers and sisters, if nowhere else than in Africa where they need us the most. And then, you know, and then, when, when, and then have that be echoed later by Killmonger, then you have sufficient motivation for him to say, you know what, fuck T'Challa. We're with this crazy asshole. You know, and then there's a reason for them to do all the fighting. Like I said, a lot of it got rushed, and it was almost as if, like someone may have pitched that idea in, in a writing room, and and you know, and there's a producer or Kevin Feige or somebody going, nah, we, let's not get too political. It's a it's a movie about a fake country, you know, in the middle of Africa. Okay, it's it's a it's a myth. We're we're doing a myth here. Let's not get too crazy. But I you're assuming preferred... Kevin Feige can pronounce myth. I'm not giving him that much credit. 
I, I, I feel like the biggest detriment of the Marvel movies is that they it is like they they dip their toe in social commentary and then they go ah it's a comic book movie we don't want to annoy we don't want to annoy people you know so but let's get, let's let's get with the fighting. Yeah, they always come right up to the edge. Well, most of them, like the good Marvel movies, come right up to the edge of something interesting, and then like like a five year old on the high dive, just no, I can't do it. Well, you know, there's there's all this. You know, I, I refer to Black Panther as this year's Wonder Woman. You know, it's, it's, it's the movie everyone wants to call a triumph for a particular minority, and it really isn't. It, it, it in no way approaches that. You know, and in both cases, you had opportunity. Look, if you, you know, Wonder Woman didn't really say anything about what it, what, what it is to be a woman. It was about a particular mythological woman and her kind. And it, it talked more, you know, and it talked more about the nature of man than it did the nature of woman. Uh, you know, in in terms of war and all of that, Black Panther again it talks a little bit about the nature of of, of you know historically of Africans, and then it runs as far away from it as humanly possible, and it just becomes another superhero movie. That's not a triumph for black people. <laughs> you know? This is also yeah, not the first black. This is not. This is also not the first movie with an all black cast. This is it. It, it, it breaks a lot of records in terms of being first. You know, it, it you know it grossed amount you know this amount of money, and we'll talk a little bit about when we get to the money eventually. We'll you know we'll talk about all of its records that it broke, but those are the first. As far as it being any kind of a cinematic milestone, it's not. But people want to call it that because of the same reason they wanted to call Wonder Woman a you know a cinematic milestone for women. It's horseshit. Yeah, I've got. I wasn't gonna comment on the criticisms of this movie that I was seeing until I actually saw the movie. So, you know, I mean, hey, why not why be reasonable, right? Um, then after I saw it, I understood two things, basically at the same time. One, I knew exactly how this movie got such a high score on Rotten Tomatoes, and I do want to talk about a little bit about the asinine decision-making that Rotten Tomatoes made around this movie. As a as a product, that, as a website that provides an aggregate service, like some of the decisions they made about the information they took in about this movie were the, the height of stupidity, and I, I want to yell about that in a minute. But there's not again, there's not a whole lot wrong with this movie. Like it, again, and aggregates are done on pass fail, especially Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, is this movie a pass or a fail for me? It's a pass. It's a solid pass. Like I, I have issues with it. Like there's issues of writing, there's issues of pacing, visual issues, but none of it is enough to detract from the movie being what I would call a successful film. In you know artistic and craft standpoint, from an artistic standpoint, from a craft standpoint, it's a successful film. It is a pass on those levels, and I'm okay with you know. I'd be okay with, you know, 97% of people who saw it gave it a positive review. I can see that. doesn't bother me one bit. And I also realized that every single reviewer who had heaped effusive praise on this was absolutely full of shit. (laughs) 
And I realize those two things at the same time. It's it, it, it's. I have again. I have serious issues with the criticism surrounding this movie, much as I did with for different reasons, much as I did with uh, Ghostbusters or Wonder Woman. And it's. I'll save it for when we actually get to the critical analysis. Um, okay, was there any anything else we want to talk about this on the you know kind of the craft side of things before we move on to the money, or have you kind of had your fill of this? Um. No, I mean, really, I just to go back to Andy Serkis, I, he was my, <laughs> well, Michael B. Jordan was the best part of the movie. My personal favorite was Andy Serkis. You know, he's not totally chewing scenery, but he's having so much fun as that character. And it was a, and it's a throwaway character in the Marvel Universe. Like, like, I, like my, my, rem- well, so my was memories Zemo. of Claw, <laughs> my memories of Claw in the comic books, is very limited. Like I know he shows up in Secret Wars, and, and a few other places, and you know, and, and you just need to listen to our most recent episode of Damn You Hollywood. He also shows up in, Aven- in an Avengers game in a really, really funny place. Uh, why should it go as well? Um, just listen to just listen to source material. You'll you'll get the gag. In any case, uh, so they they took a nothing character and made him a lot of fun, and that's all Andy Serkis. And I wish Andy Serkis would just have all the warts dumped on him. He's such a good actor, and he was so oh, fun. And if, is, and if the movie he, moves a little slow so in the beginning, he's so criminally underappreciated. Yeah, if 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 he um if the movie if if you're going to accuse the beginning of the the first hour or so of the movie of moving a little too slow, his part of it really picks things up. You know, just the the whole way through. Um, as far as I think my my favorite action sequence, it's probably the car chase. I thought the car chase was fun. I, I I really liked the idea of the virtual, of the virtual car, uh, the virtual remote car, um, and when it crashes, she falls out of it and everything. <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun. Actually, the girl who plays the sister, I really enjoyed her character too. Uh, she has a lot of great lines. There's a lot of, you know, let me let me quick draw a distinction and then we'll close on this. As much as I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok was a little too cheeky and a little too jokey, and you can do humor without being Shecky the Clown. Here's an example. A auntie, okay, that made me laugh. Because here you have this character who, you know, who's very serious and very biting and he's challenging for the throne and everything. And in the midst of all of that, he's, you know, he, he takes a moment to kind of stick it to T'Challa's mom by calling her auntie, which I thought was hilarious. That's funny. And it's funny without being overly jokey like Ragnarok was. Um... You know, when when they bring Martin Freeman, who's also really good in this, uh, a little a, a little under underplayed, but still still pretty good. Um, but when he's when he's got the shrapnel in his uh, in his spine or bullet or whatever, and they bring him to her lab, he's just like, oh great, another broken white boy to fix. I laughed at that. I thought that was funny. You know, it was and and it, and I thought it was very true to the way that character might react. Um. There was a couple of, you know, again, Manape, when they're in his throne room, are you done yet? Are, are you done? <laughs> you know, I thought it broke the tension rather well in that scene. I thought that was fun. And again, they, they were humorous parts of the movie without it being overly jokey or overdone. And I wish that going forward, Marvel would do more Black Panther jokes and less Ragnarok jokes. Hey, I mean, it's almost like you had, uh, you know, a director or a director team, I believe in this case, I can't remember which. 
that had a cohesive vision and knew how to properly integrate humorous elements with a story. Because, again, that's what that's what made Guardians so good. Like, everyone remembers the humor, but, again, they don't focus on why it works. They don't – a lot of people didn't pay attention to the emotional core of the story and how the humor interplayed with it. Instead, more jokes. Like, Thor Ragnarok is the more dinosaurs of the U- – of <laughs> the MCU. All right, folks. I think that just about does it for the review proper. So here we go with part two of our review. Here come the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. All right, on a $200 million budget, this movie has grossed 400, as of this recording, uh, $426 million. It is the number one movie in 2018. Um, if you'll indulge me for just a moment, I want to do a quick recap of 2017 because it's it's been a while since we, uh, we, we talked about it and there's been some worthwhile changes to discuss. So just really quick, I want to tell Robert Winfrey that the number five movie of 2017 is Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> it's getting a sequel. Whee! Why would you laugh about that? Like, what, seriously, like, what, what, are you trying to rub my face in this? Why? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, because I, I didn't have any particular... so hard on this. I didn't have any particular antipathy towards Jumanji. I didn't like it, but I didn't think it was terrible. After you saw it, going into it, you you would have preferred if I had kicked you in the balls. Before going to be to fair, Jumanji. if I could retroactively have you kick me in the balls and not see the movie, I'd probably still take that trade. <laughs> so I want to... I just want to show you the top. I want to show you some of the highlights of the top twenty in 2017 right now. Um, the number one movie of last year was, and this should be a surprise to absolutely nobody, Star Wars: The Last Jedi with 13 uh, with 1.3 billion dollars worldwide, and that's and that's despite getting a poor showing in China. Not as good as The Force Awakens. It didn't quite make two billion dollars, but you know, such a slight. Um, second place was well, of course not. Beast. People thought about this one critically, right? as opposed to simply flocking and fawning over it, like your average J.J. Abrams project. Hey, here's this shallow, heartless thing, but it's shiny. Ooh, look <laughs> at this! It's so good and shiny. Like, no, shut up! You suck. With the additions of Jumanji and Star Wars and Thor, uh, all three of those pushed Wonder Woman to ten. So Warner Brothers has one movie in the top ten, and it's number ten for the year. I, I have to imagine people involved with DC and Warner Brothers are, are, are hard drinking right now, uh, especially because Justice League got pushed out of the top ten. I don't know if you made it into the top ten, but it got pushed down to 14. By the way, behind it, it didn't pass it. Okay, hey, it was a was a, it was a darn good movie. I'm no, I am I'm genuinely sure. as annoyed that you and I didn't get to talk about that. Oh, it's getting a sequel. I'm sure I'll end up seeing that. Um, nah, you'll, you'll conjure another hurricane just to piss me off. <laughs> I'm not a weather wizard. Um, so, yeah, we have Star Wars at the top, then Beauty and the Beast, and then, you know, Fate of the Furious, which has been, you know, either two or three the whole year. Uh, Despicable Me, and then Jumanji 
surpassed everything to make $908 million and come in at number five for 2017. Then Spider-Man, then Wolf Warrior, then Guardians, Thor, uh, which which settled in at number nine, just behind Guardians, and then number ten for Wonder Woman. God, if you're the people at Warner Brothers, and then which is in the process of of uh, finalizing their sale to uh, Disney, their highest-grossing movie still only ranks at number fifteen for the year, and that's Logan. That's just sad. No yeah, to be fair, Logan's a great movie. I mean, yeah, but you know, you 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 with a movie studio with all the movies that they produce couldn't do better than six hundred and sixteen million dollars. Your competitors did anywhere from seven hundred to a billion. That's not good. That's not a good look. No, like the fact that they couldn't get anything other than Logan. The fact, I mean, it doesn't help that the Oscars decided to be stupid about. I mean, seriously, could you not nominate either Hugh Jackman or Patrick Stewart for their acting in that movie? Because I looked at the list of nominees from this year, and I can find at least one on each list that should be replaced. So back to 2018, uh, worldwide, we have we've got uh, Black Panther followed, um, and then behind that, Universal's Fifty Shades Freed. I'd like to go ahead and recommend Fifty Shades Freed to all of our listeners. It was a fantastic movie. Uh, it's a wonderful tale about a man and a woman in the first years of their marriage and all of the trials and tribulations therein. Fifty Shades Free, ladies and gentlemen. Go see it with the one you love. Mark, there are people who will take you seriously about that. <laughs> and why, why should it go as well? Um, <laughs> behind... <laughs> Anywho, behind, the, behind Fifty Shades Free, which I highly recommend... Is the Maze Runner? He, at he doesn't seriously. He does not <laughs> recommend that movie. <laughs> I, I sure do. Um, the Maze Runner with two hundred sixty-nine million dollars. <laughs> uh, Paddington Two uh, with a hundred with uh, two hundred thirteen million, and then Insidious is um, number five with one hundred sixty-four million. Everything less is everything after that is less than a hundred million. It's not even worth talking about. Um, so here are the records that Black Panther broke. I'm just going to read this off. This is coming from Fandango.com. Black Panther break. Oh shit, that's the wrong article. Um, damn it. Should I, wait, wait. Should I make a bad joke there? I, I suppose. It's not Fandango, Mark. Come on, you watch what more wrestling it? than I do. You have to know where I'm going with this. Oh, I haven't watched SmackDown in so long. Unless I'm, unless I'm there live, so I have no, I don't know what's happening with Fandango and Tyler Breeze these days. Not, wait, he's still on the roster? Yeah, they're, they're the fashion police. Genuinely didn't know that. No, just like I have loose memories of him insisting that his name be pronounced stupidly. Fandango or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> this is a terrible bit. Let's keep on. Um, anyway, the right, list well, of records Black Panther broke. I believe it will be the uh, highest grossing like February release, the highest grossing over a four-day weekend, highest grossing over President's Day, this one in particular, um, highest right. grossing... Okay, go ahead. I got it. I got I'm guessing. List. All right, so I'm, I'm abandoning Fandango. And I'm going over to Forbes, uh, biggest February opening weekend, biggest non-sequel opening weekend, 
biggest solo superhero launch of all time, biggest Friday to Sunday opening weekend for a long holiday, biggest long holiday opening weekend, the biggest opening weekend ever for any movie not directed by a white guy, <laughs> biggest grossing movie in North America directed by a black filmmaker, biggest pre-summer opening weekend, biggest Monday gross, second biggest comic book superhero opening weekend, second biggest Sunday gross, second biggest four-day gross, third biggest non-summer opening weekend, fourth biggest Saturday gross, fifth biggest opening weekend of all time, 25th biggest comic book movie of all time, 26th biggest superhero movie of all time, and this will all be undone once the Avengers comes out in May. It uh, might. It will. So... Um, look, going over to Box Office Mojo, uh, it's uh, top openers in the Marvel Cinematic Universe across the board. Um, opening weekend, Age of Ultron had $191 million. The Avengers had $207 million. Civil War had 179 And Black Panther comes in at second place with 202 So right now, the biggest, still the biggest opening weekend ever our Marvel movie is the Avengers and then Black Panther is the number two opening weekend one. So there you go. Um, so, you know, I, look, and let me speak to this one second. Cause, because again, it's like, this is a huge triumph for, for black folks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Schmackety. Well, slow down. More credit should be given to the fact that this is the 18th movie in a, in a, in a huge franchise. And, like, let's compare this to the DC Cinematic Universe where there's diminishing returns with each movie because the movies have been crap. Um, the Marvel movies, by and large, are successful and enjoyable for people, and so more Despite people are going to come out and see them. Some of them being crap. And so more people are going to come out and see them with each progressive movie for the most part. Sure, you have, you know, in, you know, in there you have movies that are more successful than others, but, I mean... It, when you when you think about the cultural lexicon, what are more people going to be going to go out and see? You know, a movie about a black superhero or an old white guy in a cape that does magic. Well, in twenty seven in twenty eighteen or in twenty sixteen when Doctor Strange came out, uh, it, it, you're yeah. I'm not surprised that there there were movements of people. There were black actors buying out entire showings, you know, for black kids to go see. I'm not surprised this caught fire the way that it did. Not, I mean, that's not to take anything away from its craft. We've already discussed it. It's good. It's good. Um, but, I mean, if you pitched me, if you pitch, hey, which do you think will bring in more people, black superhero or white, or white magician, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say black, you know, in 2018, I'm going to go ahead and say black superhero. That's certainly going to get more attention. You know, because if you say white magician, the next question is going to be which one. <laughs> what are you talking about? Which, which guy? So you know, and of course we're talking about Doctor Strange here, which is fine. You know, Doctor Strange made money, but you know, is it the cultural phenomenon Black Panther was? No, but it was never meant to be. I mean, these. I mean, since you brought it up, those two movies are of roughly the same quality. Like the biggest determining the, the you can. Anything different you feel about them, it has nothing to do with the overall craft of the film, by and large. Well, the CGI was much better in Doctor Strange. Oh, significantly. <laughs> but Doctor Strange also had a much... It, it, its villain, while 
great in terms of idea behind villain was much less interesting on screen. Yeah. And I say that as a guy who was not exactly blown away by Michael B. Jordan in this film, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't recall you being a huge fan of his, which is going to be real fun when we discuss Green 2 later this year. Uh, yeah, we might. Uh, you might discuss Creed 2 later this year. Uh, so in terms of what comes next... I haven't even seen Creed, actually. I don't want to. <laughs> Great. Next week, uh, we you know we get a break here um, before we before we rush right into March, where we where we're going almost every week for a while. Um, but next week in the theater, there's Annihilation, which is your sci-fi movie with uh, what's her face, Padme. There's something called Every Day, which is an Orion Pictures movie. It's a drama, and then the movie I'm going to go see with my movie pass, Game Night, which is an action comedy. Oh, and I hate you. From the... <laughs> I hate you for and then. Like... Going to see that. I don't care what circumstances you have. Like, how dare you go watch that movie? Well, I wouldn't have if I didn't have a movie pass, but I have a movie pass. I'm going to go see it. Um, In March, we're going to be reviewing Death Wish, and this is the order in which they'll be coming out. Death Wish, which is a remake of the old uh, Charles Fox movie. Terrible. A Wrinkle in Time, Disney movie. A, a Tomb Raider, which is a reboot of the uh, original eh. Tomb Raider movies with uh, what's her face. Um, but the original or this one? The original were with Angelina Jolie. This is Alicia Vikander. Yeah, I said this is a remake of a reboot of uh, the, the old Tomb Raider movies. Then we have Pacific Rim Uprising, which is the sequel to uh, Pacific Rim, and then finally the best Transformers uh, movie by a uh, significant margin. March 28th, we we end our run in March of Damn You Hollywood with Ready Player One. So that's what we got Still going on I'm not sure on how there. I feel about that. I'm sure it'll be fine. I mean, there's All so right. much bad CGI in just the trailer for that movie, but it's also deliberate. Like, they're, they deliberately have a point of delineation visually between the Oasis and the real world. And I almost have to applaud like the, the ingenuity to have, okay, this looks weird, kind of crappy at times, but so is your internet connection. Like, I can't fault your logic, and I hate you for it. Robert Winfrey, I have a question for you. Is it about the caloric value of the processed human cadaver? Yeah, you're supposed to say, what's your question? I am? All right, what's your question? Yeah. Are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Hey, that came out nice. It did. You can thank Jesse Starcher for that. He's been dying for me to play that for you. All right. Thanks, now, Jesse. You did a good job. I, I applaud you your editing skills. They're much better than mine. If you haven't... If I'm you haven't... Oh my God! If you haven't heard our show before, this is the part of the show it's where we read the. It's almost like I'm doing something rotten. intentionally, isn't it? Go to hell. <laughs> um, Go ahead. If you haven't heard our show before, this is the part of the show where we read the rotten, rotten. I mean, I mean, for the most part, we read the rotten ones. Occasionally, I read, I, I read the fresh ones because those are equally hilariously bad. Um, in this case, uh, I'm going to read all eleven because there's only eleven. 
because it was one of the highest rated. Uh, Wait, you mean Rotten Tomatoes actually high... let eleven negative reviews of this thing be published yeah, on their website? Actually... Yep, there are eleven negative. There are eleven rotten reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to read them all here, and then this is the part where Robert Winfrey tells the critics they do shitty at their job. Here we go. They are. are you ready? They so are. Uh, Jordan Rumi of World of Real says Black Panther doesn't live up to the hype. C plus. Considering the hype this thing had, I'm going to agree. Like, there were people <laughs> yes, calling this. That's not altogether unfair. Like, no, that that's fair. Like, that's a very fair review and a, probably a, roughly a fair grade, all things considered. It might have been a little. Uh, again, like, if I were doing a letter grade, this is B. Maybe B minus. No, that's what I would have given it. This is a, this is absolutely a solid B, and it definitely loses points for the terrible CGI at times. But I mean, everything else, I thought, you know, minor gripes aside, I thought it was a solid movie. Again, uh, like so, again, a passing grade is perfectly acceptable in this instance. Like I actually can't yell at that guy. I tend to agree with him. That's a fair criticism. Baron of the arts desk. What's the problem? Well, there's way too much expository dialogue and there are too many turgid flashbacks. The hand-to-hand fighting and battle sequences are now so formulaic and predictable in the Marvel films that the adrenaline just doesn't kick in two out of five. I'm struggling to find anything negative to say about that, too. Oh, I think this is ridiculous. I thought the too much expository dialogue, I thought that was a perfect opportunity for you to yell, what's the matter, did you get bored, Binky? Did your ADHD kick in? No. Like... It, the complaint here isn't that there is exposition, it's that there's too much of it. And, I mean, we both said, like, there's a whole hour here that could have been, like, trimmed and reused that is mostly exposition. Like, I I can't yell about that. Like, if this guy had specifically mentioned, no, I didn't like A, B, and C, then maybe, like, yeah, no, you actually need A, B. Yeah, maybe not C, okay. but that's a whole other thing. Like, If, if you can't disagree with him, I'm not going to make you. Sort of ruins the bit, then, doesn't it? Um, Ed Power of the Irish Independent. Black Panther spirals into a stodgy tale of internecine feuding, in which T'Challa is required to come to terms with the sins of past generations. What he doesn't get to do much of, get him, Winfrey. What he doesn't get to do much much of is jump around beating up bad guys. That's the shame. Three out of five. Wow, an Irish newspaper didn't care for a black movie. Who'd have thought? Um, <laughs> seriously, though. That's racist. <laughs> I hate everybody. I don't care. <laughs> no, no. How dare a a movie not <laughs> actually have characters and, inter- and interpersonal relationships and you know stakes and politics? No, I want to see the guy punch the other guy in the face more. Wah. There's a Michael Bay movie coming out at some point in the next year. I'm sure you'll be thrilled to see, you drunken Irish bastard. Like, how exhausted how were you when you went into this movie that you know, a guy dealing with mourning the loss of his father and his relationship to his country and their country's relationship to the world and an angsty but also not entirely incorrect murderous villain doesn't actually, like, stimulate your senses. Instead, no, I want more of the punching. I want my exposition front-loaded into scrolling credits, and then I want to hear Wookiee screams and blasters go off. You are a terrible person. (laughs) There we go. Now now we're cooking with gas. Ernesto Diaz-Martinez of Cine Vertigo. 
The problem is that this laudable political discourse ends up drowning a film that has its best moments not around the noble T'Challa, but around the great villain of the film and the only true star of the whole movie, Michael B. Jordan. One out of four. Yeah, yeah, no. No, like I agree that there. This one gets a little preachy in the on the politics. Like that, that's fair. That's a fair criticism of this movie. Michael B. Jordan is not the only star of this movie. He's not even the best part of this movie. Like he is really underwritten, and he's. I'm told he's a capable actor by people who have seen him in other things. Everything yeah, I've like seen him in, it's been. Shut up! I suffered through that. <laughs> Just like you did. You don't get to joke about it. But a dream. Yeah, no, 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 no. Go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 people who have seen more of his work tell me he's a very capable actor. I don't know how he chooses his roles. Like, these are poorly written. In this case, it's not badly written. It's just severely underwritten. I really wanted more of his character. But when he died, I kind of went, good. Like, I won't have to worry about this in the future. Like, this is a good, like, I want more, like, heroes murdering villains. This is a good thing for me. I'd be happy if more villains actually murdered people. But it's a Marvel movie, so, no, like, vague explosions and talk of people dying, but, nah, carnage, blood, nah. T'Challa gets impaled on his shoulder. No blood. Claw gets shot in the torso three times. Eh, there's a vague stain, but it doesn't even really spread. It's like, this is so sanitized. He can't even get over as a murderer because, well, that's pretty tepid murdering. I mean, look, look, look at the scars. Each scar is for a life he's taken. Can I, how about I just watch him kill somebody in a slightly more satisfying fashion? I, I don't need the scars. Like, let's have a blood spray when he shoots you know, poor Andy Serkis in the chest three times. That'd, that'd be enough. Yeah. Okay, Killmonger. Just back of the blue spot. Black Panther was certainly an intriguing idea, but with its fundamental defects, it just isn't able to achieve the heights it desperately tries to reach. Two and a half out of four. Eh. I mean, I actually question whether or not it desperately tries to reach them. Like, this is... Maybe I have fatigue when it comes to the Marvel movies, but this is a very Marvel movie. I was gonna say, I feel like it was desperately running away from the heights, the heights it was it was potentially trying to reach. Like again, I really feel like there was a concerted effort to try to say something about the plight of black people throughout the world, and there were people in the room going, "Yeah, um, this is a fucking comic book movie. Calm the fuck down." Yeah, like that, and I feel like the writers. And apparently this is a real thing. Like, the writers were kind of like, man, wouldn't things be great if Obama was still president? Let's write like that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, the guy who wrote, and Mark, you you actually might remember this, the guy who was principally responsible for writing the television movie, I believe, The Day After Tomorrow, not the Dennis Quaid movie, the television movie, I believe, it's that day after tomorrow or the day after, and I can't remember which one, forgive me was a made-for-television movie. John Lithgow features prominently in it, as does, I want to say David Allen Greer, but I could be mistaken. No, it's not David Allen Greer. Anyway, it's all about like nuclear weapons actually being detonated and the horrible things that come about because of it. It's behind only the British, not period piece, but there's a uh, BBC fictionalized thing called Strings 
that's about post-nuclear life, and it's the most depressing thing in the world. Like, the list of depressing movies I would rather watch than that again includes American History X and Requiem for a Dream. Like, seriously. And, like, it's that depressing, and the day after is, in that same vein, it's, again, an American one. The guy who wrote it very specifically has said, I wrote that to try and get people not to reelect Ronald Reagan. <laughs> not a joke. Right. Serious, like, so, like, like, the writing there, like, and I agree that, you know, there's a lot that could have been done with this movie that it doesn't really get into. And, you know, that, that critic just, like, no. You really have to understand Still. the intent before you want to criticize whether or not it is running away from or failing to achieve goals because they're they're two very different things. Phil Villarreal of ABC Tucson has more in common with the second tier Marvel tales on Netflix, two and a half out of four. Yeah, no. Like, really no. <laughs> have you not seen some of the Netflix stuff? Like, no, he would have shot Andy Serkis in the head and we wouldn't have, the camera wouldn't have cut. Like, that would have been a no. That would have been a single shot of Andy Serkis' brains being blown out the back of his skull. Movie would have been better yeah. for it, actually. But like, I'm not entirely sure how this guy has reached that conclusion. Even like, what do you mean this has more in common with you know the sometimes ponderous Netflix shows? Like, how is this and Luke Cage all that similar? And if you say black people, I'm going to smack you because that's really not. No, if that's I... all you've got. No, I actually said on source material that if you're looking for, first of all, I don't think this movie speaks at all to the black cultural experience, uh, at least in America. Um, it really doesn't speak to it in Africa either. You're talking about Wakanda is an idealized, mythological place. It's Asgard for black people. It, it's you know it doesn't it doesn't speak to the realism of the black experience. If you're looking for the realism of the black experience in America, that's Luke Cage. That you know. You know, I, and I said this on source material, but it bears repeating. That was a show in the midst of the perceived crisis of cops shooting black kids in hoodies on the street about a Marvel hero who is bulletproof and wears a hoodie. And he's black. Now, and he's black. Okay, so if you're looking for a folk hero for black people to talk, you know, that speaks to the black cultural experience, that's the show. This, you know, this, this fictionalized, mythological, idealized African nation that doesn't really exist and never existed with, it, you know, with its warrior king is a nice fantasy. I mean, you know, Pat, Pat and Gavin referred to Black Panther as Thor with black people. And at first I was really jarred by that description, but I can kind of see it now. Um I, I don't. I don't agree with every conclusion that those two made with regards to Thor for, with black people, but there's some similarities that are more than surface deep. Like there's there well, is I mean, a bit of substance to that point. Well, I was going to say, I say, you know, if you want to, if you want to go ahead and say Black Panther was Thor for black, you know, for, for black folks, you know, in the sense that T'Challa is, you know, is is a black Thor. You know, it, it, he's he's an idealized godlike mythological figure um you know something to aspire to uh sure okay i'll buy that but again it's all myths it that there is there is no t'challa out there um as such you know that 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 is you know when we talk about 
when we talk about myths and gods, these are supposed to be, you know, idealized uh, versions of ourselves, of our cultures. Uh, so that's where I'm coming from, you know, with, with that idea. Whereas, you know, Luke Cage, outside of being bulletproof, you know, is a believable, realistic character. T'Challa isn't, <laughs> you know? It's not a real thing. So anyway, um, did you want to speak to that at all, or can we move on? No, I mean, look, this guy's comparing two things that are, in many respects, not comparable. Like, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe that exists in the films and the Marvel Cinematic Universe that exists with Daredevil beating people into comas and Frank Castle violently murdering people with a sledgehammer, they're supposed to be in the same place, but there is no attempt made by anyone running either group to actually make it feel, apart from bits of dialogue, like they're kind of the same. Like, the, the Defenders featured Manhattan being rocked with earthquakes and nearly being somehow destroyed by mining operations in Kunlud. I didn't write the damn thing. Don't yell at me. (laughs) And for some reason, like, all these superheroes who either are based in the immediate area or are native to New York do nothing. Yeah. Like, Apparently Iron Man was busy that day, as was Spider-Man. Again, like, there's there's some pretty serious lack of overlap, and this is very clearly within the movie portion of the cinematic universe. If T'Challa were on Netflix, again, there'd be a lot more murder, which I'd be okay with. The villain would have had more time and would have been better, because seriously, the Netflix series does that really, really well. And it probably would have crashed Netflix servers again, because... Luke Cage did that. Well, hashtag black folks. All right. Um, AV author of NYC Movie Guru, an insipid, soulless, and overproduced bore. Oh, come on. <laughs> like, I, I, might be com- I might be convinced that you were bored. I can see that. Again, I assume you have the attention span of a goldfish. I can I can reasonably be persuaded that you as an individual were bored by this movie. And again, there's pacing issues. Not going to pretend there aren't. Calling this over-reduced? This is three hours long! If anything, this could have been reduced more. Like, no! This is not over-reduced. And it's really not insipid. Like, I, I get that you think that's a good word, and it is. Try to use it correctly. Like... It is not what you are trying to make it here. This, if you want to say this movie is overly preachy, I might think that you're overly sensitive to being preached to, but I can see the point at least. It's not insipid. No, it's far from insipid. Uh, Vicky Rose of the Daily Telegraph Australia. The plotting is predictable, and the action sequences for the most part unengaging. Black Panther is a major disappointment. This is yet another critic who is mad they have to go see a Marvel movie. Uh, I'm I'm really torn here because while that's a that's a fair thing, like no, this is predictable. Yep. Yes, it is. Very very obviously so. And while that's a fair that is a fair criticism. It is also unfair to overly criticize it. Like, what, what would you have preferred? 
That was predictable. Okay, where would you have taken it a different direction? What would you have done that was not predictable? I mean, really, if anything, the fact that he actually does kill Michael B. Jordan at the end, like, not throws him off a cliff, not has a building blow up, not... No, like, he stabs him in the heart with a spear. But, you know, never mind the fact that he stabs him. They were in the middle of, you know, a fight to the death, which, okay, you know, one of them was going to get killed. That's what happens in a fight to the death. What I actually thought was not predictable and what I thought was a really nice way to, to do the ending was him talking about, you know, my father always wanted to bring me back to Wakanda. He said the sunset is the prettiest on earth. And then T'Challa brings him to, to, brings him to the cliff. And it was like, I, it lets you know. lets him see it. Yeah, he lets him see it. And then he offers to heal him. You know, and then, of course, you know, Mike, he's like, I'd rather, you know, like, you're just going to lock me up. I'd rather die, quite frankly. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's, a, that's certainly that's a choice. Fair. I guess yeah, it's a valid choice. Um, People make that choice all the time. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I. It, but I mean, it and Mark has like... to determine whether or not they're suicidal when they're brought in. <laughs> I mean, I, I bring that up because that's the first time I've ever seen that in a Marvel film. You know, you have um, just kind of running through a lot of them. They pretty much, a lot of the heroes end up killing the villain pretty much outright, or the villain you know sort of dies passively, but they die you don't really have an attempt by, I mean, even vision just fucking kills Ultron in cold blood. Like they have that nice. Yeah, it's not that you can call it end. cold blood considering it's Ultron, but yeah, he just blasted him. Yeah. He just, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, they have this sort of heart to heart at the end of the movie. And then he's like, well, it's been real, blood. It's really cool. <laughs> it's been real bad. Bang. Um, <laughs> but I was born yesterday. Hans Mickelson's character fucking dies at the end of Doctor Strange with no problem. Um, all of the Iron Man villains pretty much did, did die without issue. It's like, like the only villain that I think anyone tried to save was Baron Zemo. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, and T'Challa should have killed him. Like I get that was the thing. It was like. I get why they had him not do it. Like, I don't want to be consumed by vengeance. Like, that's fair. I appreciate your character arc. He was one of the more interesting parts of Civil War. Yeah. You still should have killed like, him. Like, I would have so much preferred. Kill himself. <laughs> no, like, like, this is I one of the few times they've actually saved the villain. Yeah, like, I would have so much preferred that the guy sit there with a gun like, no, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to off myself. What, are you going to kill me? No, I really don't want my life to be consumed by vengeance, but you got a gun. Go ahead and off yourself. It's really no skin off my nose. Ego of the living planet fucking dies in Guardians. Ronan the Accuser dies. Yellowjacket dies. Everyone dies in the Marvel Universe. Now, the only one that ever makes it is Loki. Yeah, and we really are starting to wish that he hadn't. Like I am. <laughs> really. Right, really. Uh, Victoria Alexander of filmsandreview.com. With a bloated two-hour, 15-minute running time, Coogler ran out of ideas. He, once again, didn't want to go see a Marvel movie. Uh, again, like, I, I, again, I agree. Like, there, This is a long movie. It's what? It's over two hours by a non-trivial margin. That doesn't mean you ran out of ideas. Like, This movie is not struggling to fill time. It's struggling to adequately portion the time. That's not the same thing. That is really not at all the same problem. 
So the, in speaking of time, Louise Keller of Urban Cinephile, dialogue heavy with a confused sense of place. This mega budget Marvel Marvel might be a misfire for anyone beyond the fan base. Well, that's just not true at all, <laughs> you asshole. Yeah, no, no. This this massively popular comic book character is going to drop four hundred million dollars. Like, no. Yeah. The number of people, like, the fan base was aware of him when he was introduced. Like, the fan base watched the old, like, Seth MacFarlane animated Black Panther thing from, eight, like, years ago. Not Seth MacFarlane? I might be mistaken. I don't know. But, yeah, like, no, no, th- there was an animated show that I, I can't remember where it originally aired for the life of me. But, anyway. There's really just... <laughs> Like you really didn't think this was gonna hit big, buddy? Really? Like, I, are you that unplugged from the world? Like, I, I hate the world, and even I knew. Like, no, no, there's money. They're printing money here. That's the thing. Like, to one degree or another. Like, I keep bringing up Doctor Strange. You know, even like they're not so popular C and D list characters make money because the whole thing this is a franchise that has been successful and it rarely makes a mistake and even their their mistakes are not huge mistakes again this isn't the DC cinematic universe or even Transformers the Marvel the the people who do Marvel movies haven't significantly insulted the fans so you know like again Ant-Man is not exactly a popular character especially the way that they especially the version of I mean like if they'd actually called Hank Pym you know, as the actual Ant-Man, it might have, you know, you might have gone with a few more fans, but who the fuck is a fan of the Scott Lang Ant-Man? Come on. <laughs> hey, at least it's not, who is it, Gavin O'Connor, who's the irredeemable Ant-Man? Um, all right, to, to finish up this bit here. Who we got literally, one like, has panels where he sneaks around to watch other superheroes shower, because he's, like, the biggest scumbag in the <laughs> in the world. Yeah, thankfully they didn't do that one. Armand White of National Review. Black Panther turns racial politics into what Malcolm X called politics. The media's enthusiasm for this bland action flick is maddening. The problem isn't one particular movie, but the celebration of the illusion of progress. Well, I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, I, I don't appreciate the Malcolm X reference because you're trying too hard. Like, please. Like, no, this, he's like trying to preempt people calling him a racist by quoting Malcolm X. That, that's well, all black, that serves. So that's going to be difficult. Like again, that—that's all that particular quote serves. Is like, well, you didn't like it. You must be a racist. No, no. See, look, I—I I am culturally literate. But I mean, he's not really like my biggest gripe with the criticism around this movie has been people overblowing it, like really overblowing it. Like this is great. This is completely revolutionary to filmmaking. Like how? Please, explain to me how. Wow, he gave Justice League a fresh rating. Okay, this guy's Justice League is one of those one. Justice League is one of those wondrous Zack Snyder extravaganzas that fulfilled the aesthetic potential of comic book graphics and achieves essential cinematic kinetics. Uh, and he gave a shitty review to I, Tanya. Wow, this guy's an asshole. I haven't seen I, Tanya, but it stars Margot Robbie, and Margot Robbie's kind of terrible. 
Margot, Margot Robbie is the hotness. I'm sorry. You I was think not so. making a comment. You're on in love attractive. with you're in love with Joanna Champion. I I keep forgetting. I'm sorry. Who? Joanna Champion. Who? You know who I'm talking about. I, I legitimately have no idea. Joanna Champion. There is no such person. The fucking uh the. Is she strawweight? The UFC female champion check. No, Rose Namajunas is like with Pat Barry, and I have to question every decision she's ever made in her life that led her to that conclusion. Wait, fuck Rose beat... Oh, that's right, she did, didn't she? Oh, God, I'm so behind on the UFC. Um, if I'm reading this correctly, he gave Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer a really good review. So his best reviewed it's- movies, and there's a list here... With a Again, and one of them is this guy's an idiot. Of the Surfer. This guy's a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was struggling a bit with the Justice League thing because Zack Snyder actually does have the best ability to translate comic pages into screen onto the screen. Like he, that is, he is great at that. But you know, Joss Whedon directed the majority of the reshoots of <laughs> Justice League because. Who knows why? Um, all right. Let's, let, anyway. let, let's start to wrap up here. Um, all right. So as I said before, uh, as far as the calendar goes, we, uh, we're going to take another week off. I'm going to do Black Sails Season 2 oh, can with I Ronnie very Adams. Briefly, hang on. Can I very briefly sure. address about Rotten Tomatoes? Very You're briefly, an aggregate. Your job is to collect data and then present it to wider world. That's your purpose. I mean, I know you were worried about being, your, you know, your data being corrupted and trolled by people, especially after the, you know, the last Jedi thing. But really, coming out and just saying we're going to be removing... Now, bear in mind, when they, they wanted to avoid like bigoted, hateful reviews of this of Black Panther artificially contaminating the data... Like I get the fear, but unless you literally have are paying someone to actually read these things, what you're going to do is plug in a series of words and phrases for an algorithm to try and sift through, and I have zero confidence in it to be as foolproof as is necessary for the resulting data to be all that useful. I mean, this thing just surpassed like the Wizard of Oz in terms of like best reviewed all time according to this website like there is like there's clearly a flaw in how you implemented this procedure clearly a flaw no uh, black panther was just better than the wizard of oz i mean i don't like the wizard of oz either so take this for what it's worth coming from me but no <laughs> not like the wizard of oz you're a crazy person Right. I don't like Pink um, Floyd or the Beatles either. You want you want the laundry list of things that are culturally acceptable or lauded that I think suck out loud? I got a laundry list. It's a long I'm gonna one. Pass. Nope, gonna pass. All right, here we go. Um, we'll, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, March sixth starts our run of movies, movies, movies. Damn you, Hollywood in full effect, ladies and gentlemen, baby dolls. We got Death Wish, A Wrinkle in Time, Tomb Raider. Pacific Rim Uprising, um, Ready Player One. We're going to take a break 
on April 10th, but I'm sure Robert will be joining me anyway as we do a TV party for WrestleMania 34, uh, the recrowning of Roman Reigns. Probably uh, not. Like, there's only so much crap I can stomach. We'll be will actually be off for two weeks. Uh, we got WrestleMania, and then the following week is an on trial for uh, the movie Battleship. Um, and then we're back. I feel again. so bad for everyone who has to write that and watch that. It's so bad. We got uh, we're gonna do Damien Hollywood for Rampage, uh, which I can't wait for. I'm so excited about that movie. We're off. May I'm not. <laughs> so not. We're off May 1st. It'll be uh, that begins the summer of Sean actually. Um, but we're back for the Avengers on May 8th. We break again for uh, for the 15th, where I'll be doing a TV party for Green for Arrow season six. And then, all right, I think now we we actually go without breaking. Um, May 22nd is Deadpool. May 29th Ooh. is Solo. No, nope, then we're off for two weeks again. We got an on No, no, because yeah, you, you pulled Ocean's 8 from the schedule, and I thank you for it. Yeah, I, I needed a place for Legion. And, I, and I'm sure and I was sure you weren't upset when uh, I pulled Ocean's 8. Um, the incredible. I would have rather you pulled Deadpool 2, but that's just me. That wasn't going to happen. Um, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom Ooh. on June 26th. Um, we're off again July 3rd. We're back for Ant-Man and the Wasp on July 10th. Skyscraper on July 17th. Um, no, t- no damn you Hollywood, but there'll be a TV party for Voltron Season 5 on July 24th. Uh, we're back for damn you Hollywood Mission Impossible, whatever the new one's called. Um, Who cares? Mission Impossible, and- we're desperate to milk this franchise. Um, and then because of Fox rearranging their schedule, because fuck them people, Christopher Robin on Dan- on um, August 7th, Scarface August 14th, and then we wrap up the summer. Can I petition for not Scarface? Nope, you can't. Um, I got rid of Ocean's 8. Be happy with, be happy with that. Uh, damn you, Hollywood. I mean, there's the bag that comes out the same weekend. I would so much rather watch a crappy... Shark movie starring Jason Statham than the Scarface remake. We're doing Scarface. Um, I hate you. But, <laughs> but we wrap up the summer on August 21st. Our, it's our annual summer wrap-up show, uh, August 21st. And then um, and we'll take a couple of weeks off, and then we'll, you know, we, get, we actually have two movies in September, oddly enough. We usually only do one. We got the Predator, Robin Hood, and October we got Venom. We got the new Halloween remake. You're making um, me watch Jamie Foxx in it. Uh, in November we have X Men Dark Phoenix. We got the Grinch. We got Fantastic Beasts, and we got Wreck It Ralph two. And then finally in December uh, we got Creed two, Mortal Engines, Aquaman, and we end the year with Bumblebee. Rob's favorite. Can I, like, stab myself instead of, like, all of this? Have you seen that, you know, normally we take January off because fuck you, it's January. January, we go every week. For what? For, 18, for in what, 19? Yeah. 
every week there's a movie we have to review. We got Mary okay, Poppins. Have to ha- uh, hang. With, Ugh. Go ahead. <laughs> with Mary Poppins on January 8th, Hellboy January 15th, and Glass on January 22nd. None of this. None of the. Like, I'm loosely interested in the Hellboy reboot, but that's because David Harbour is like one my cold dead heart. Oh, Ian McShane's in that. All right. You're not in. You're not in M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong's uh, Glass. No. Oh, I'm surprised. Why? I thought you would be interested in M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong's uh, movie. Why? Especially since it's. A, I don't know. Did you go see Split? What? Did you like Split? To bowl? Like, no, I didn't see it. <laughs> okay. Neither did I. Um, like, so what I, about me it, has led you to believe that I would want to see an M. Night Shyamalan movie? I, I thought you liked horror movies. He doesn't know what he does? Kind of horror movies? Suspense movies? He just makes, no, he makes horrible movies. Not no, the same no. thing. Oh, I got confused. Okay. Well, that's enough calendar uh, for now. Go ahead and do your plugs for for um, the Ground of Pound oh, show, which, yeah. which is which may be okay. moving. By the way, are are you prepared to move the show when I when I give the go ahead? Uh, I want to do at least one show that's not that show on Spreaker before we like before moving beyond that. I want to make sure I know what I'm doing with that one because. People listen to that one as opposed to this one. People listen to this one too. God damn it! Not nearly as many. And I, I, I love both shows. I've also seen the numbers. Like, I, if I'm, I, I'm going to, I'm going to want to make sure that I've got things kind of smoothed out before moving that one. Um. That's fine. We'll do a te- we'll we'll do a, a we'll probably do this show before we do before uh, I, I I completely discontinue my Flock Talk Radio account. Yeah. Man, 2019 is gonna. That's probably gonna suck. <laughs> well, let's get through let, let's get through uh, Winfrey's winter of discontent. That is 2018. Go do your vlogs. Go go. Uh, all right. Last Sunday, I there was no. Episode of the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show. We were off because I had to cover UFC Fight Night 126, which was further proof that uh, like I don't watch MMA the way most people watch MMA. I think because I got a lot of people saying I had a lot of fun with this card, and I went meh. <laughs> uh, but didn't you see that? You know. Like there was a bantam, I think it was a bantam. It might have been featherweight. There was a fight, like it won fight of the night, and people were like, "No, this is really good." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I saw it the night before at a Titan event, and I saw it two days later at my local fairgrounds. Like I've seen that fight. I don't want to watch that quality of fight when I watch the UFC, you know." Uh, but I had coverage of that, so you can read my full report in the MMA Zone of Four One One Mania uh, this Saturday. I have UFC on Fox Twenty Eight. Uh, headlo- your headliner, uh, Josh Emmett and uh, Jeremy Stevens, because it's I'll not be like there. the UFC. I'll be there live. I mean, it's not like the UFC is in a contract negotiation year for television rights or anything. Why would they put good fights on, you know, big 
Venue, oh no, wait, no, they are, and they're seeking like four hundred million dollars for their <laughs> for their television properties. Like, you guys are putting on this? Like, you just had Jockery versus Brunson two be the worst rated event you've ever done on Fox. Now you're putting like Emmett and Stevens. Yeah, I don't hate that fight necessarily, but really, that's your main event for Fox. Anyway, this coming Saturday, I will have coverage of that event. I'll so be there. By. I I know, and I will be relaying any live tidbits you can give me because I'm weird like that. So when Jessica Andrade and Tisa Torres come out and fight, and you're sitting in the section of people who are shouting vulgar lesbian things at both of them, I, I do wish to you know you, know you, that you still you live in morally- that. Are you morally against saying the phrase "show me your tits"? Because that's what that what they're going to chant is "show me your tits," and that and when so you can't say "show me your tits." Is there a problem here? I mean, I'd like to think that if that's what you want, you live in Florida. There are a billion strip clubs. Well, no, my point is that's what they're going to yell out, and you're like, oh. They'll yell out something vulgar. You know what they're going to yell out. They're going to yell out, show me your tits. Now say that to the audience, that that's what they'll yell out. I am not going to say that. <laughs> oh, you. What do you mean, oh, me? No, no, I, I only have like, ah, no, you know what, I can't even say that. I was about to say something like, no, I have, you know, dignity or self-control or I like to be slightly more mindful of what I say, but then I think back to the last two hours and go, nope, you have <laughs> your leg your leg to stand on there after doing this show for as long as you have is pretty well shot. <laughs> I'm still not going to say okay, it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done pushing this, this particular bit of nonsense. Uh, all right. Um, and then this coming Sunday, we will have an episode of the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show. We'll review that fight night, the UFC on Fox event, and we'll preview UFC 222. Uh, which should be a case study about why you don't make one-fight cards. Because this started <laughs> out... Seriously, this started out, the main event was supposed to be Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar. Great fight. Love that fight. Want to see that fight, because I, I think Max Holloway will finish Frankie. Max gets injured, which sucks. But the next fight down on that card originally was Stefan Struve versus Andre Arlovsky. Which might have been a passable main event ten years ago. If it was a main event for a spike card. Like, so instead we negotiate and now we have Chris Cyborg versus Yana Kunitskaya in your main event. And Brian Ortega said, sure, I'll fight Frankie Edgar on short notice in the co-main slot, because Brian Ortega's awesome. Um, so we'll preview that card. It's not a good card. It's really not. Like One of the prelims is C.B. Dalloway and Hector Lombard. I, I, they both still have jobs. It's shocking to me. Anyway, so you can tune in to hear us talk about that. I think that's everything. Then I'll be back again in a couple of weeks here with Mark. 
further. That, that really starts. Like, I didn't have anything against Black Panther. But we're going to start, like, I'm going to start looking at alcohol more and more longingly oh. as, as this year goes on. Because <laughs> I don't what drink. Winfrey, what did you think of Buffalo movie, Out My Liver? Could I get kicked in the body by Boss Rutan instead of seeing this movie? All right, I, we're done here. <laughs> I, yeah, don't want, I don't want 20, 20 minutes of, of how I you'd rather be tortured than have to go see some of the shit that I picked this year. So let's move this on. I All would right, rather so have. I would just rather have temporary, intense physical suffering than hours of emotional and mental suffering watching some of this. It, it's an either right, or, so and I, I take the, I take you know shutting my hand in a door, like that's gonna hurt, but. It'll get better within the next 30 minutes. All right, folks. It's been fun. This is probably going to be the last time you hear Damn You Hollywood on Black Talk Radio unless something strange happens. So uh, it's been an interesting run. We'll we'll be back in two weeks. Hopefully we'll be on speaker full full time at that point. We'll see how things go. For Robert Winfrey, who would rather be kicked in the balls and dragged through the winter of his discontent, and for Mark Radlitz, who enjoys torturing said Robert Winfrey, be well, be safe. <laughs> be well, be safe, and be safe.